hello everybody. Welcome to Daniel's Playpen. No, that's a disgusting thing to say. It's Thronderdome. It's the uh, the first episode of our third season. Uh, as the longtime listeners will know, of course, uh, each season is another volume in Timothy Zahn's magisterial masterpiece, the Thrawn Trilogy. Uh, so we will be, with this season, we will be covering The Last Command, the thrilling conclusion, we hope thrilling anyway, of uh, the Thrawn Trilogy. Uh, but as is tradition here on Thronderdome, our inaugural episode of the season is one with a special guest. And, uh, of course, I am your your host, Dr. Daniel Dottie. With me, as always, is my intrepid co-host, the Reverend Ronnie Gardaki. Ronnie, are you there? Yeah, and uh, i got to be honest, I got defrocked or whatever uh, since last season. <laughs> oh, that's true. Well, I think you're still, uh, you know, you have like an honorary doctorate from some sort of horrible Bible college, so I'll keep calling you Reverend. Um, but more important than all of this is that uh, we have a special guest joining us. An expert in enjoying Star Wars as a kid, an expert in uh, video games and their production and appreciation. Uh, my dear old chum, who actually knew me in the depths of my Star Wars liking, Alex. Alex, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. Uh, I also have an honorary doctorate, but mine is from World of Warcraft. <laughs> Well, uh, Dr. Alex Gokul is joining us all the way from Lyon, France, where uh, they're currently employed in the games industry. So I thought, I'm going to use my connections. I'm going to use this lifetime of networking, this, uh, this bevy of talented superstars that I know and who have left this place behind, who have gone on to great things while I still remain here in our hometown because I have loyalty no, not really. I'm just I'm just kind of lazy. Um, <clears throat> but no, uh, one of my jet setting pals uh, from my past, Alex Gokul, on to talk about Star Wars video games, the kind of how we experienced them as kids, um, what what has worked about them, what hasn't, and really kind of the uh, kind of most interested in the uh, as we are on this on this podcast, what I call the the Nader period of Star Wars that that time between the original trilogy winding down, but before the special editions and prequels came uh, came roaring back up. Before um, the Ralph required. Nader period of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but uh y'all actually may know uh alex's work from several highly acclaimed and famous video games uh like off the top of my head uh pillars of eternity 2 a terrific very crpg very famous <laughs> among <laughs> me um, but more famous than that death loop uh you were a writer on death loop uh hey from, i own that uh, game yeah okay thank you I've never played it, but I own it. Well, uh, you could also try playing it, but you don't have to. I don't know. It's, it's also just pretty my to look at. Time. That's, that's true. That will cut into your. Well, don't go playing video games when you're supposed to be reading The Last Command, Ronnie, because we gotta we have a schedule to keep. Um, but nah, nah, I'm just kidding. Anyway, yeah, because uh, I'm definitely the one that's that's the problem when it comes to scheduling, Daniel. All right. All right, this is not a this is not a Daniel's Folly episode. I mean, that this seems is, like a, this is, seems like a fair critique. <laughs> I've known Alex for approximately uh, fifteen minutes, and I've already bonded with them over making fun of Daniel. So, <laughs> see, it's uh, an was, evergreen pastime. This was my this was my fear that my innate whipping boy energy would lead to the two of you <clears throat> uh, colluding against me, but uh, such is the risk that I take. Um, but no, so I guess right off the top, let's, we can, we can talk about our, our, our Star Wars video game experiences. Uh, astute listeners will remember on the introductory episode, uh, we touched on this a little bit and Ronnie, I think you were saying that like the, the video games were kind of your primary extended universe interaction with Star Wars, right? Well, I knew of Shadows of the Empire and that was supposed to be like episode seven or whatever. And then I played a lot of Rogue Leader. And then I played like those Super Star Wars games for the Super Nintendo and found those were too hard, so I gave up quickly. But, <laughs> but yeah, like like I, I played a, a fair number of Star Wars video games. And I would say my period of Star Wars enjoyment was from like 1997 to about 2001. I don't want to blame 9-11 for all of it, but it didn't help. 
that's that's fair. Um, uh, Alex, how, how about you? Do, do you do you re- do you remember the first Star Wars game you ever would have played? Oh, um, so it would have been a bit earlier than that. Uh, I played, and I'm not sure which of these came first, but I played the Star Wars games, like the side scrollers, mostly side scrollers on uh, my Sega Game Gear. Uh, which was a handheld uh, competitor of a sort to the Game Boy way, way back in the day. Um, but I also played uh, like Rope, uh, Rebel Alliance and uh, TIE Fighter. Uh, and oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Rebel Assault. Rebel Assault. I think that was the one. What yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebel yeah. Alliance. Yeah, it's not right. Rebel Alliance. <laughs> I'm an expert <laughs> in my field. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Clearly, no. I think uh, yeah, because because you you and I uh, now Ronnie is the baby of the podcast. Uh, you and I, Alex, were in the same grade coming up. Uh, you, you have a few months on me, um, but we're roughly the same age. So that that was kind of my <clears throat> experience as well. I I think actually the very first Star Wars game I ever would have played was Rebel Assault, uh, which I remember playing over at Brian Henry's house uh, because that because because Brian's family had a computer with a CD ROM. So you could play the CD-ROM games. That's that's another fun wrinkle in all this. He had missed. Um, yeah, he had missed. He had uh, he had one of those CD-ROM things we had at school. We just kind of click around on a town. That was cool. Um, so what kind of gleep glop is Brian Henry supposed to be? Like a like one of those uh, Greedos or whatever. <laughs> uh, he is a human, much like Lando Calrissian, um, ex- except not uh, black or Armenian. Like Lando Does he have a cape, in. though? Probably. I believe so. <laughs> I think he actually has affected a cape at some point in his life. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so uh, I, I also... Uh, I never played Shadows of the Empire, even though I, I had a, an N64. I did play the uh, Rogue Squadron, the N64 game, which then there was the Rogue Leader kind of redo for the GameCube that I really, I really loved that game. That one was awesome. Uh, that game was really had, hard though. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty challenging flight sim thing. And I think, I think I had a demo. I had shareware of uh, X-Wing that I, <laughs> that I would play for like it's five minute demo field. Um, but uh, oh, also around this time, actually, I guess we should say this was uh, around the time of, so doom got really huge. And uh, LucasArts was not going to leave that money on the table. So they also created the very first Star Wars first-person game that wasn't a flight simulator, Dark Forces, uh, which came out a couple of years after the book Dark Force Rising, and they have nothing to do with each other, which I found amusing. Um, Alex, I think you had that one. I remember us talking about it. Uh, I loved Dark Forces. Uh, <laughs> so what, what was it about Dark Forces that... That was so compelling for you. I don't know. It was like, um, it may have been one of my first first person video games. Certainly my first 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 person shooter. Uh, It was transporting in a way that games that I'd played up to that point weren't on on account of its perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And bonus points, it was the Star Wars universe, which I was uh, moderately obsessed with at the time. Um, I still remember the uh, like the the design of the spaceship that you go around in as Kalkatarn was uh, really interesting and weird compared to a lot of the ships in Star Wars. Um, and your co-pilot was cool, uh, Jan. Uh, oh yeah, an early crush, I'm sure for me. <laughs> uh, and you indeed, were indeed. You, like you were doing the Rogue Squad or the the Rogue Rogue One shit. Like you were doing the. Uh, stealing the Death Star plans uh, for the Rebel Alliance. That was the plot of the first game. Uh, so it felt like it was um, tying into the world in a way that uh, you didn't see a lot of games do uh, at the time. Like a lot of tie-in games were just a retelling of uh, stories uh, or were yeah. like completely separate from them. Um, so that, for instance, the certainly the side-scrolling Star Wars games were just, like, you play Luke, or you play Han, or you play uh, 
I think he plays C3PO in one level. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's, frankly that's the, the level the level where you have to tap A to be prissy. Always play C3PO if you have the opportunity. It's the correct choice. <laughs> no, I think that's a great point. I think that's right that um I I think Dark Force Dark Forces would have been the first of these video games that you weren't recapitulating something from the movies. Because I think Rebel Assault was you weren't playing as one of the lunchbox guys. Um, sorry, as, that's a little term of art that we use here on the show, uh, Alex. That's the main characters. We call them the guys on the lunchbox. I, f- I followed um, Okay. <laughs> but um, you're either, so you're either playing the lunchbox guys, or in the case of Rebel Assault, uh, you were basically kind of a mook who was also there during these big like battles in the from the uh from the movies like the trench run and the hoth and all that stuff but yeah dark forces was the first one to kind of be a side story if you will and i think that's actually pretty daring for uh <laughs> for them to just go ahead and claim the uh that part of the lore which of like this is where they got the death star plans uh that was pretty gutsy i'm sure they had a sign off like i mean that was uh it was a lucas arts game Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, was... and it it would have been. Um, it's kind of interesting. I I I found myself. I did a little bit of cursory research before recording, just to make sure I had my kind of chronology right on when these games came out and when I would have been playing them. And what's kind of interesting is Lucas Arts. We and we I think we've mentioned this before on the show began as just that part of the Lucasfilm company devoted to licensing. It was not actually its own uh, developer or anything like that, but it became. Like it's it's original license that it sent out for like arcade games, which hilariously enough, there were there were three cabinet arcade games based on Star Wars in the eighties. There was Star Wars, and then there was uh Return of the Jedi, which came out in nineteen eighty four, and then there was Empire Strikes Back, which came out in uh, nineteen eighty five. So, you know, really, really finger on the pulse with those. Um I mean nobody but, wants yeah, to like, play Empire. It's depressing. <laughs> Look, I don't want to. I want to. You know, I, I want to get to the part where I'm uh, carrying C-3PO's pieces on my back and and trying to argue <laughs> with Ugnaughts. Right, now, but, right um, now, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for list of Star Wars video games. And Daniel, if we ever make the incredibly poor decision to open up a Twitch channel, the first <laughs> our first Twitch channel like uh, thing should be. Us playing through the 1987 game titled Ewoks, Wicket and the Dandelion Warriors. Whoa. That sounds yes. really good. That does sound really good. A yeah, game older than me. <laughs> I was not aware of that the uh, the Super Star Wars games were preceded by NES Star Wars games. So they were like NES side, 8-bit side-scrollers that they made. I didn't know that either. I thought that it was just called Super Star Wars because it was Super Nintendo. It was on Super Nintendo. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I always assumed as well. Um. (laughs) But yeah, but but LucasArts didn't start developing their own games until that license lapsed in, I want to say, 1988. Um, So that's when you saw the development of X-Wing in-house. So they they got, uh, yeah, they started developing X-Wing and TIE Fighter and then uh, Rebel Assault, and uh, and it's really kind of like there was a big operation because they were internally developing all these Star Wars games while they were also doing the uh, like you know Monkey Island, Day of the Tentacle, the famous LucasArts adventure games. So it it seems like I don't know they had a lot on their plate. That was a pretty major operation they had going. Well, that was actually yeah. If we, we're talking LucasArts games, you you were obsessed with one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm still I'm still obsessed with the dig. I'll go back and watch the uh, the opening to the dig every uh, every year. Or so that is phenomenal. It is. I, a, uh, yeah. a strong opening to a game. It immediately one of, one slows the... down. But... <laughs> right, a very strong opening. Well, that's how I felt playing the game. I was very intrigued for about the first twenty thirty minutes, and then I was like, "Okay, uh, use stick on rock. Nothing. Okay, continuing." Uh, it's a real shame the adventure game has uh, has kind of gone away as a genre, you know. I don't know if I agree. I, it's heresy. I, oh, it's it... go <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, man. I was just saying I'm having my mind blown because I'm I'm still reading that Wikipedia page and I'm finding out like all these games I never knew existed. 
Oh, apparently, in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 and 4, you could unlock Darth Maul and Django Fett. Well, I knew about the Darth Maul. I think I had that Tony Hawk game. <laughs> and that was like the most 1999 thing in the world was to uh, play as Darth Maul while some new metal uh, play while you skated. I assume, also, you I know assume what? you're also skating and not like flying a spaceship or doing No, sadly, shit. no. Yeah, you're, you're having to do skateboard stuff. Lame. There is there is a World War II game called Secret Weapons Over Normandy that's a flight simulation game that apparently it's an un- you have unlockable X-Wing and TIE Fighter, which seems really offensive to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really like that. <laughs> I'm just imagining like if they had like a Vietnam War era uh, flight sim and you could unlock TIE bombers to do Operation Rolling Thunder. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you just replace Ho Chi Minh with Wicket. <laughs> I mean, that's the uh, that's the metaphor. That's exactly that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I um, think I think the American people would be much more sympathetic to the to the uh, Vietnamese cause if um, Ho Chi Minh was an adorable teddy bear that ate people and was it worshipped a, a golden gay robot. I mean, that's Buddhism, that's just right? me. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's the most offensive joke we've done on this podcast. Did I even make it? So Jesus Christ. That is what I bring to the show. Just a lowering of bars. <laughs> that's, see, that's the Alex brings out the worst in me, as uh, as he can attest from our long our long enduring friendship. Um, but not like uh, I, I think it's pretty interesting the like the types of games that get made when it comes to Star Wars because uh, like you know obviously like I, I think like LucasArts had it right that like first things first you're gonna want to do a space combat sim. Because this was around the time of the first, like, Wing Commander, I want to say. Or, like, you know, Wing Commander had been around by that point. And, like, clearly, you know, Wing Commander was basically a Star Wars ripoff. It was, someone made a video game based on the space combat in the Star Wars movie. So, of course, like, if LucasArts is going to make a, you know, a Star Wars game, hey, let's do, you know, a, a flight sim. Um, and those always ended up being the ones I I liked the most, right? Like Rogue Squadron and, and Rogue Leader. I feel like the ones like, uh, oh, you know, I did play the uh, Dark Forces 2. Alex, did you ever play Dark Forces 2? Uh, Dark Forces 2 colon Jedi Knight, right? Exactly. Followed by Jedi Knight 2. Jedi Outcast. Jedi, yeah. That's, that's, that's Jedi some, Knight 2, Jedi Outcast. That's some Rambo trilogy <laughs> naming <laughs> conventions. Uh, I started well, playing it, uh, but I didn't really care for it. I didn't want to play. Like, what I liked about Dark Forces, I think, uh, is like what part of what also appeals about like Andor or Rogue One, where you're playing this like uh, non-magical person in this world. You're, you're playing a pretty grounded character. I mean, relatively yeah. speaking, you're still a fucking, like, doom. <laughs> you're, you're, blasting, you're blasting pigmen guards and stuff, but you're pretty grounded. <laughs> you still are carrying, like, nine cannons at once <laughs> and hurling thermal detonators. But it's true that you're not a, you're not a space wizard, but that's what Kyle Katarn unlocks his, his force powers in the sequel, and so he becomes a Jedi named Kyle. Uh... But I, I would think even for the sake of your crush on Jan, you would have played through to see all the cinematics that she's in in that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> <laughs> to. Neither confirm nor deny. Go into that. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but anyway, like the, um, I guess what I'm getting at and kind of talking about this is that I think it's pretty weird that it took until 2002 three 2002 2003 for anyone to make a star wars rpg video game because like i don't know it just, it just feels like that like it's the setting lends itself to it for, I mean, for all the reasons you kind of talked about alex with dark forces like it is you know for, for all of its faults and they are legion um one thing that star wars does well is it does feel like it takes place within a very vast setting with a lot of stuff going on which is i think you know and there'd been like a tabletop rpg since 1980 eight something like 87 88 um they could draw on it yeah. just seems like it's really late in the game for star wars video games that it took until knights of the old republic for there to be a uh a role-playing game but i guess part of that might be just that focus on the lunchbox guys in so many of these games that you know you can't really have like a star wars rpg where you play the plot of the first movie but you can choose your cl- character class 
<laughs> like that would not make a lot of sense. I mean, it'd be great to have like an on rails RPG where you have no choices. <laughs> well, well, I don't know, I, Alex. You're the big JRPG fan. You love that stuff. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> uh, the I actually, when I watch Star Wars, I sit with a with a PlayStation One controller in my lap and pretend that it's a JRPG. <laughs> That's a JRPG, exactly. I mean, RPGs um, are big. Can, can you press a button to like skip through all like the C three PO bickering scenes when you when you do that? <laughs> uh, you can hold square, but I don't know why you would want to. Those are those are the best part. I think I'm pretty clear that I am here for C three PO. We were joking earlier. <laughs> we were joking earlier about C three PO like being strapped to Chewie's back and that being a game. But like the the last two big Star Wars releases, uh, the the respawn games, uh, Jedi Survivor and Jedi uh, Fallen Order. I think is the other one. Um, like both of them, you have a droid on your back that like chatters at you and you talk to <laughs> all, like throughout the entire game. So, seems to I be will a say, I, I, I will say regarding C three PO, I hate him a lot less now that I have been introduced to the the Zahn, uh, uh cast of characters, and I found new characters that I hate much more, <laughs> like the Nogri, <laughs> like the Nogri or Borsk Failia. Yeah, I hate <laughs> those people so much more than, than <laughs> all C-3PO. our favorites. <laughs> but Alex, you're actually about to give me a queer coded robot any day. <laughs> Alex, you were about to apply your, your actual genuine insight to something and we rudely interrupted you. But you were saying RPGs are big and complicated? Uh no, all I can think about now is Borsk failure. <laughs> that was it's one of those damn bothans. What a perfect I to, name. I had to roll that name around in my mouth on, on air on the pod when we first when it first came up. <laughs> Borsk failure. Uh yeah, no, uh, I was just gonna say that uh, RPGs are hard to make. Uh, and especially the kinds of RPGs that were being made in the States in the 90s, stuff like Baldur's Gate and Fallout. Yeah. Uh, and they're not very, like, uh, action-oriented, even when they're trying to be. Like, Baldur's Gate is real-time with pause because they wanted a more action-oriented uh, approach to Dungeons & Dragons. And... It's still kind of slow and tactical in its in its play, um, so I don't think that that's necessarily what the people who had the license were in a hurry to like take advantage of. Yeah, yeah. I guess, and I guess that makes sense that like, and you you bring up Baldur's Gate so that like, it, and now I'm kind of interested in like the so the the Bioware style RPG is pretty well known by this point like it and it's had a lot of iterations like i think probably the the biggest one was you know mass effect or dragon age like the where it's like third person from behind one figure and it's fairly like action rpg ish in terms of like the actual gameplay um and you have the of course the famous bioware dialogue tree but all that was really kind of pioneered in knights of the old republic right that was the first quote-unquote bioware rpg Mm -hmm. If I, I, I was going to say that before Knights of the Old Republic, um, apps, uh, besides like Fallout and Baldur's Gate, uh, RPGs, and at least in my estimation, were mainly like ja- weird Japanese crap. So, <laughs> like the Final Fantasy style, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, the perverted nonsense. <laughs> perverted nonsense because Elder Scrolls wasn't famous yet. So we didn't. We didn't Look, all I'm perfect. saying is my role on the podcast is to be the ignorant one. So I'm going to be ignorant if I want to be. D and D and Star Wars have plenty of tentacles. That's that is a really good point. There's, there's, and there's Baldur's much. Baldur's Gate Three is all tentacles all the time. That's what I've been hearing. I, I've actually been uh, speaking of all this. I've been embarked on a, a a kind of revisiting of the Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale games. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been having a really good time. Like I, you know. Yes, I remember enjoying them way back in the day, but like there are a lot of games that I pick up from back in those days and play again. And I'm like, uh, okay, I in the field have moved on. Um, but the Baldur's Gate games really hold up very well. I- I've had a blast playing those. Icewind Dale, of course, is a punishing slog, but it's I'm a you know glutton for punishment. Uh, it's it's that's what's there to do. It's the dungeon crawler one. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, but I, I think I'm going to hold off on Baldur's Gate three because one, it's expensive. You know, I can't really buy a new video game uh, right about now. And also, I want to get them to patch all the. You know, there's apparently there's there's penises clipping through trousers. I need them to to patch that before 
before I'm ready. Can I just make a quick joke about how fitting it is that Daniel's playing a game called Baldur's Gate? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listeners are well aware that I am bald, uh, and I have been for a while. And I don't know, Alex. You actually have to go door to door when you move into a new neighborhood. I'm I'm joining you you quickly. (laughs) Well, I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess you're thinning up on top a little bit too. Um, but, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll discover that, you know, I, I, I feel like I've been bald in spirit pretty much my whole life. So it doesn't really change anything for me, but I might just be speaking. I've had like 15 years to get used to it. <laughs> I shaved my head this summer just to mock Daniel. <laughs> Ronnie has I'd be like, what we call- watch me, watch me grow a full head of hair over a season. Yes, yeah. Ronnie Ronnie has what we call dedication to the bit. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but uh, oh gosh, I, I I think I had I had some salient and trenchant point to make, and now I now I can't think of it. Uh, we're talking oh. about. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, please uh, go ahead, Alex. I was going to say we were, gonna, we were talking about Bioware. So uh, Neverwinter Nights was before Kotor, I think. Uh, but You're only right. just yeah. before. And it was the first of those, like I would call that kind of the beginning of that cinematic style. Um, the, although it was more a tool set and the, yeah. the, the campaign that went along with it was um, almost a second thought. Uh, I, I'm not saying it's bad, but uh, it wasn't the focus of the development, I don't think. Um, but then KOTOR... Uh, came along and without that i don't think you'd have mass effect yeah for sure which is which is interesting to think about like because you don't really think like at least i don't really think of star wars games as being path breaking in in terms of like the video game industry it always feels like well you have you know you have these established type of video games and then you'll make a star wars one of those but i've actually come to kind of appreciate that there was a lot that star wars games have kind of pushed the envelope on uh your beloved dark forces alex i i learned that was uh i always assumed that it was made using build engine you know like uh like duke nukem uh but it is apparently a it was made using a proprietary engine developed by LucasArts, uh and was i believe the first first person like sort of 3d navig- navigable environment that had uh atmospheric effects like there were levels that had haze in them and that was a first. Uh, it had like dimension, like uh, like looking up and down instead of just straight through the hallways like Wolfenstein style. Uh, that was actually a Star Wars game pioneered that, and that was kind of. I'm gonna I'm gonna I came came away with a real appreciation for LucasArts in a way also, I, I didn't expect. <laughs> it was also, to my knowledge, the first game that let you punch a big lizard. <laughs> When I say Sorry, that, I'm, just ima- I mean, like, I'm just imagining Duke Nukem in in Star Wars, like Duke Duke Nukem in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, that sounds like a a bad robot chicken sketch, right? Or <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't or, use bad. I mean, that's redundant. I was of. I was gonna say I, I was gonna say or a great robot chicken sketch, which is still bad comedy, but it's a great sketch for robot chicken. <laughs> There's probably somewhere someone out there is like you know season two has some bangers. If you put C-3PO on Duke Nukem's back, I would play that game. <laughs> if, all right, here's, here's, here's I, I bet Duke Nukem has a whole lot of things to say about C-3PO. <laughs> about an effeminate none of, none of which that could be said on this podcast. <laughs> so here's, here's my vision that I have now. Uh, a third-person action RPG kind of uh, think Zelda, right? Think Legend of Zelda kind of in the 3D era. Uh, with Duke Nukem and C-3PO is the the Navi, the little <laughs> annoying fairy. Who, not not using the term disparagingly, I'm just describing <laughs> describing Navi on Zelda. Oh God, I should have listened to this podcast before I joined it. <laughs> Daniel's being the problematic one this time. I I have boy, yeah, my ass is going to be canceled as hell uh, by the end of this. Um, people, people heard that I gave LucasArts credit. They're going to be roasting my ass. Uh, no, I could, uh, yeah, we need to develop that post haste. I think Alex, get on it. <laughs> that's, that's your new assignment. I'm well, sure you're very busy. Look, it, can't, it can't be as ill-conceived as Duke Nukem forever. So there's that. Good Lord. Yeah. Nothing can. 
as the owner of both <laughs> I, the I, I actually, property sorry. and Duke Nukem properties, I will do this tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, you, I have Alex. a brief I have a brief Duke Nukem story, which is I went to the midnight release of Duke Nukem Forever because I was an idiot. Wow. And uh and there was a there was a cop there that was also waiting for Duke Nukem Forever, and he had a lot of things to say about his uh his job that weekend, which was um uh policing uh, a pride event. He did not care for it. Uh, uh, and I got to hear a lot about it in my 15 <laughs> minutes of waiting for Duke Nukem Forever. In, in a way, that's kind of the perfect Duke Nukem experience. <laughs> really, and I was and I was with a buddy, so I was so I kind of was like to my buddy, was like, "Hey, you want to? Hey, you want to like uh, like freak out this cop by just like holding hands?" And he's like, "I don't know, doing that in front of uh, obviously homophobic cop would be the greatest idea." <laughs> That's a very and, wise and, and he was right. <laughs> oh God! Oh, we love our pigs, don't we? Um, <laughs> hey, Duke I mean, Nukem did have the did have the balls to make you literally kill LAPD pig cops. So I was gonna say, I'm, I'm kind of surprised this 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 cop was really extending a lot of grace to <laughs> Sylvia. Duke Nukem 3D, problematic fave of Ronnie's, by the way. Love hey, I game. mean, you know, I I that's another one I had the shareware of. Played the hell out of that first level. That's a, Love the that first stuff. game you could, uh, probably the first game you could uh, take a piss in. <laughs> uh, a urinal. Probably so, yeah, yeah, yeah. First um, first game you could uh, give money to a stripper. Uh, oh, I'm sure it's, Leisure, a, it's, a, it's a trail sure Leisure Suit Larry blazer. beat him to that. Leisure, Leisure Suit Larry seems cheap to me. He would never. He would never pay sex workers. (laughs) Duke Nukem has respect for working women. (laughs) And folks, that's why we have respect for Duke Nukem. Well, thank you for joining us on Duke Nukem Cast. Uh, (laughs) We should do a Duke Nukem podcast. (laughs) No, we shouldn't. There's not a lot there. I'll tell you what, let's do a podcast. It would be over soon. So well, let's yeah, let's do a special limited series where we uh we play through. Let's do a Twitch stream where we play through the uh, side scroller Duke Nukem and Duke Nukem Two. Man, that uh, reminds me of when I had Duke Nukem Two, and I probably had the shareware version because it like bugged out in like the middle of the second level, and I could never get past it, and that really annoyed me. And it's probably like the one piece of unresolved uh, childhood trauma I've had in my life. <laughs> I wasn't able to finish Duke Nukem 2. <laughs> because stupid Apogee software wouldn't... Everything else has who... been roses. But... Yeah. Everything else is terrific. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, now, well, well, I, I do to think of how many games let you urinate. <laughs> no, it's not I'm sure It's not common. It's not, not all that common. That's really something that I feel... Sims. The yeah. Sims, if you like, uh, take away their bathroom, they piss themselves. Yeah. I feel like that should have been part of the uh, hardcore mode on uh, Fallout New Vegas. Because, you know, fair. you have your, your food meter and your sleep meter. You should have also had a piss meter. I'll, I'll message um, Josh and tell him that he really dropped the ball. Thank you, yes. <laughs> Please get, get Josh Fallout. The, Josh Fallout. <laughs> respected game game developer legend. Um uh oh 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 yeah I, I i remembered what i wanted to talk about real quick about uh dark forces 2 colon jedi knight is that it had an expansion pack called mysteries of the sith that i remember playing which featured mara jade as a playable character no way so there's our timothy's on tie-in for all, the, that was I, actually, I know all this is that about. was actually a question i had which was have there been any star wars games either uh at the time or now that uh, have like Zon characters or properties in them. Yeah. I guess Daniel so th- just answered my question. Well, and that's the only one I can think of though, because I don't think they've ever made like a, uh, I don't think they ever like put like Zon locations in any of the video games. Like I, I actually went like double checking on this to Cause I remembered there was a, an ocean planet uh, track on uh star Wars pod racer or just racer. I think it was called. Um, and I was like, huh, I wonder if they, I wonder if they like tied that into Pentalamon, the, the planet with the casino submarine that we enjoyed so much in Dark Force Rising. Um, and, uh, sadly, no, it was Aqualea or something. It was like a different, uh, a different water planet 
which you can do in Star Wars because you know. Now I'm actually you. doing some on the air research, and I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Thrawn under video games. Apparently, he oh. has appeared in a few. Yeah. Um, I, I, oh, right. Yeah. He was in Star Wars Tie Fighter mm-hmm. back. What? This was back when he was a vice admiral. The wow. The, the two expansion. Well, actually. I can't remember if it's just the core game or if it's just the two expansions or both, but you, like you work for Thrawn in those games. Oh, whoa. I had quoting, no idea. quoting Wikipedia verbatim in the tour of duty three segment of the 1994 space flight simulator combat computer game, star Wars tie fighter. Then vice Admiral Thrawn establishes order in a wild system at the frontiers of the empire. The game expansion packs defender of the empire and enemies of the empire. Follow the story of how Thrawn thwarts the efforts of the traitors. Grand Admiral Zarin. To depose the Emperor, and Thrawn is promoted to Grand Admiral in his place. Holy shit, this oh, is like whoa. prequel material. We need to play it this is. game. We do need to, we need to Twitch stream this game. Oh, man. He's also oh, this, a recruitable yeah. character in Star Wars Rebellion. Okay, I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's a strategy game from 1998. Oh, so it's like a real-time strategy. Okay. Like StarCraft, but with Star Wars. Yeah. Like, Star, like, Dune, Star like Dune 2000. I do like how apparently Star Wars Rebellion was called Star Wars Supremacy in the United Kingdom and Ireland. <laughs> what an odd choice to make. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was thinking about TIE Fighter and how, like, the the story of uh, being a TIE Fighter pilot going around and, like, securing the provinces... <laughs> It's putting putting down revolts is probably hits a little differently in 2023 than it did in uh, Yeah, it was a little you know, uh, but putting out imperial fires around the periphery was uh, <laughs> that was just all fun and games back in those days. <laughs> to say nothing of the game, Star Wars Protestant scum must die. <laughs> <laughs> uh star wars colonial administrator uh can you prevent grain from getting to the villages to make sure it's shipped back to coruscant anyway <laughs> goddamn goddamn rebels with all their tie fighter bombs yeah some, somebody needs to make a star wars uh mod for papers please <laughs> that would be pretty good Imagine, uh, like, think of how stereotypical and offensive Irish people are in real life. Imagine Star Wars versions of Irish people. I, wait, I, back up a second. What is it? What do you mean Irish people are offensive and stereotypical in real life? Alex, you don't know this, but uh, in one of our, in our, in, our uh, in the group chat that me and Daniel are a part of, a friend of ours uh, took a, a photo of Daniel and, uh, pasted it over the uh, the logo of the uh, Notre Dame uh, fighting Irish. Hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So when we're talking stereotypical, like the fact that you can one to one like replace the fighting Irish with you, <laughs> I think speaks to something. Are you Irish, Daniel? <laughs> um. Some say I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, not weigh in. He's on like one sixteenth Irish. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. No, 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 no. Yeah, I am very. very <laughs> I love Irish being American. like one sixteenth Irish, like one sixteenth Cherokee. <laughs> I'm descended from an from an Irish princess. <laughs> yeah, you have a fucking, you have a fucking, uh, you contribute to a fucking cookbook where you just have your your uh, recipe for potato broth. <laughs> Not even that. I, I contribute to the to the uh, to the cookbook, but it's just like uh, it's just like a Chinese recipe from the New York Times. I've had uh, that. It's delicious. Yeah, Actually, yeah. Well, you we've, know, we've made fun of Daniel for being bald, for being Irish. What else? <laughs> I think off the air we made fun of him for having uh, ear infection. So yeah, yeah, I think we hit most of that. it. We did. So I think that that does wrap us up. We hit all of our bullet points. No, no, no. Before before we go, before we go though, I uh something I I really do want to ask Alex uh okay. is what is like what is what is your strongest recollection of a Star Wars gaming experience? Like what's one that have really made an impact on you? I mean, there are a few answers to that most most of them are bad. 
like bad impact. <laughs> um, I think that still counts. Like the the walking around sections of Rebel Assault are miserable. For instance, they're so bad. Why would you? Yeah. Why, a CD-ROM rail shooter is such a stupid idea, but you know, I see how it works with a mouse. <laughs> and, and you have a rail shooter, and then you get out of your your rail boat and walk around <laughs> stormtroopers or something. No, it's such a bad idea. Uh, but I think the one that really like sticks out is in the, going back to the Game Gears games. Uh, yeah. One of one of the bosses is the trash compactor monster. Oh hell yeah! And it was so <laughs> so hard because it kept popping up and popping back down really quickly. It was kind of low to the screen, and you had to like crouch to shoot at it. And yeah, yeah tough fight, tough fight. But you made it. You beat uh, it. I defeated the empire by by cleaning out its trash. <laughs> by cleaning out its trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember in the movies, uh, they like Luke actually pulls out his blaster and uh, for fifteen to twenty minutes fights like, with pot shots this monster <laughs> until it dies. <laughs> it was a, it was an odd choice, but I respect uh, Lucas's kind of pacing with that one. It really it really set up everything else. The it man had really, a vision. Uh, he did have a vision, and we're we're so lucky to uh, share that with him. Ronnie, how about you? Like, what, what's the Star Wars gaming experience that uh, that has stuck with you? I'm actually going to bring up uh, one we haven't talked about yet, which is a game called Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds. Now, for context, I didn't have a very good uh, family computer growing up, so my video gaming options were limited in terms of PC stuff, but I was able to get Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds to work. And Black, uh, Galactic Battlegrounds is basically Age of Empires, but with Star Wars. Oh, okay, and yeah. So it's like Age of Empires, but better because, like, who cares about like Iron Age bullshit? Of, like, <laughs> who cares? Astro who cares about people? dumb history guys? <laughs> yeah, who, who cares about who, who you think I am, Daniel? <laughs> I don't care about no fucking Romans or whatever Greekmen. I, I care about uh, I care about uh, Darth Dark Vader and and uh, the stormtroopers. <laughs> What was interesting Dark about Vader and the stormtroopers? That should be that should be a ska band. I don't know. Anyway, what's interesting about the game, other than it was like a a a, a real time strategy game, was that it took place it it took place uh, it was released in between episodes one and two, so it covered episodes one, four, five, and six. So, like your first level was you had to like fucking. Uh, you were fucking running uh, droids for the trade uh, for the trade federation. You know the Chinese guys, right, right. And and then you had to like deal with the Gungans, and then finally you time skip to like uh, like the Imperial campaign. So wait, what what does what does deal with the Gungans mean in this context? <laughs> you know, a, a final solution, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Actually, I got it backwards because I'm looking at the Wikipedia, and apparently it's like the the Gungan campaign was all about like uniting all the Gungans under one banner and like fighting the 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 Chinese. So, right. There's well, like there, some there was history ish uh, in there. Well, I was gonna say there was an Age of Empires two campaign where you play as uh, uh, Joan of Arc uniting all of the disparate uh, powers of France against the English. So it's like that. I thought you were gonna say the Trade Confederate Federation, which would have been interesting. I like, think just, my, my, like fr- my uh, Harry Turtle Dove novel is going to be one of the just like just like the the, the french the french the french people (laughs) allied against like crude chinese stereotypes who don't even lip sync correctly exactly god i rewatched those prequels like probably a month ago and i would say that the trade federation didn't age well but they didn't age at the beginning but they're really bad now it's even worse. <laughs> I do, All I remember uh, is from the, the name Newt Gunray. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good name. I I, I do feel like the uh, we've become a lot more sensitive about our portrayals of Sebulbas since uh, Phantom Menace came out. Well, I feel like <laughs> like I wasn't the most uh, kind of socially aware sixteen year old, but when Phantom Menace came out, I was like, <sighs> I'm between between the. The Trade Federation characters and uh, Jar Jar. There is some, yeah, some poor handling of. <laughs> the great thing about Watto is like he's in the first move, the Phantom Menace, and he's like, 
astute uh, viewers will be like, well, that's obviously like a Jewish stereotype. And then like, clearly Lucas must have heard like something about that. So when, when Watto comes back for the second movie, Attack of the Clones, he's got a little hat. So it's like, <laughs> let's make this more anti-Semitic. <laughs> let's go ahead and throw a little hat on top of that guy. What would, uh, what would make Fag and the Jew more more offensive? If he had a little hat <laughs> and wings. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, Ronnie, I, I, a little bit of lore that you should know. Alex was with me when we saw the midnight showing of episode one. I, I assume it was just like uh, in Fanboys, the, the film we, we covered. <laughs> it was ex- Alex, have you ever seen Fanboys 2009? Uh, uh, no, I have not. I, I know what it is, but I haven't seen it. Okay. I'll send you, you the link to the Google Drive uh, copy I have of it. <laughs> you can so you can watch it for yourself and then listen to our uh, our episode that we did on it where we talked for longer than the movie's runtime because it was so upsetting. Uh, Alex, I hope you love homophobia because fanboys is replete with it. <laughs> oh, it's my favorite, actually, my favorite thing. Yeah, the 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 homophobia you get from making a 1998 period piece in 2006. It's pretty uh, homophobia pretty, that was bad wild. for even 2009. So that's true. That's true. Have, it was. It was. So really... it's like a, apocalyptic in 2023. <laughs> as as for me, I think I'll, I'll I'll round this out. I'll round our discussion here with uh with a moment that has stayed that has stuck with me for many many years. This will be of course over. This will be about 25 years by this point. Maybe maybe 22. <clears throat> but uh, in the in in that uh. uh Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight expansion pack Mysteries of the Sith. I remember very clearly. So so Jedi Knight 2 had full motion video uh cutscenes, right? So it was actual like actors on a set uh doing these lines for the cinematics. They couldn't get they didn't have the budget for that for the expansion pack, so all the cinematics were done in engine. Uh, which is of course commonplace now, but uh was a little, you know, it was a little, it looked a little chintzy at the time. We wanted our FMV in 1999. Um, but I remember very distinctly one line read where there was it's at some point Kyle Katarn, who's a Jedi by this point, has to fall, has to jump down a huge canyon or something and land on a giant metal pipe. And he does so very clumsily rendered in the engine. As he's standing up, the voiceover goes, gravity is a harsh mistress. And uh, even at the time, I thought that was one of the stupidest things I'd ever seen and heard. Um, but with what? that, <laughs> I, I have one. I have one piece of trivia about Jedi Knight Two that I found interesting. One, oh, yeah. uh, Billy D. Williams reprises his role as Lando Calrissian, which I don't remember I don't know that at that's all. Awesome or pathetic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and two, uh, Charles Martinet, uh, aka the voice of Mario, is in uh, Jedi Knight Two as Bespin Cop Two. Civilian male and Imperial officer too. So Daniel, you might have to go back and and uh, and play Jedi Knight two and see if any of the guys you shoot sound like Mario. <laughs> like I, I like knock off an Imperial officer and he goes, "Whoa, oh, no, <laughs> oh no!" Right? <laughs> yeah, so we have voiceover credits. I I I was on the uh, so I some I've been playing Icewind Dale and I have uh, I have my daughter. Moira, who's about to uh, turn six years old next week. I thought you had to hesitate. Uh, well, I was hesitating as whether I wanted to say her name on the on the pod, but I think I have before. Um, but anyway, uh, I, <laughs> I I I realized as I was playing Icewind Dale that of my party and the voices I had selected, the voices include uh, Pete the Cat and Daisy Duck from her uh, Mickey Mouse shows that she likes so much, and Twilight Sparkle. We're all uh, voiceover actors. On what the hell Ice is Twilight Sparkle? From My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Well, sorry, I'm an adult. I don't know what that is. Well, have a kid, and then you'll know. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, but w- once again, I-, I am trying to round this out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Alex. This been... joke that Daniel's a brony. No. I know a yes. lot about Ponyville, but only because I you know, had to watch that show multiple times. Yeah, times. sure, for, for research for your daughter, sure. Okay, <laughs> for yeah, I believe you. For, for my okay. uh, for my web forum. I, I mean, daughter. This is how we say young at heart. <laughs> That's exactly it. By running fan sites for the pony shows, the ponyverse. Exactly. By, by by taking something meant for children and saying no, mine. 
like like we do with Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we did keep the hell out of Star Wars. <laughs> We've been keeping the hell out of Star Wars. Hell yeah. But um, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. It is always a joy to talk to you. Um, there, there's a reason there's a reason why we've been friends for 30 years um i like and, the cut of this alex person's jib so yeah aren't they great I, I, yeah i've been working real hard on my jib <laughs> they've really been working uh, working the jib uh Actually, but from all of us oh please never, never mind no, i was gonna go into game minutiae but uh don't worry about it this is the time for game minutiae do it right so Jibbing is the uh, when when a character explodes, uh, their their, ah. parts, their parts are the jibs, the jibs. Yeah. <laughs> well, there. So for everyone at home, keep an eye on your jibs so that when you explode, the graphical quality is excellent. Um, uh, please enjoy video games on any of a number of platforms, and please, please uh, buy video games that uh, have been contributed to by our special guest Alex Skokel. You will, uh, you will not. Oh, Alex, I guess. Do you have anything to plug, or is there anything uh, coming up that the people should keep an eye out for? Uh, no. Go play Deathloop. Uh, I, guess I will play. definitely consider taking Deathloop out of my uh, my uh, game wallet. Yes, I, I, I'll decide against playing Arkham Asylum for the fifth time. De- Deathloop <laughs> on uh, Game Pass if uh, you don't already have it uh, and do have an Xbox. So not Daniel. Uh, right. <laughs> now I got my super cool uh, gaming PC now, baby, and I'm I'm using it to play games from 20 years ago. Uh, uh, Daniel's like... quote of a midlife crisis buys a gaming PC and plays <laughs> games from 20 years ago. <laughs> you, you you guys will not believe how blisteringly fast Fallout 2 is on this baby. It is incredible. I mean, there's worse uh, things but... for you to have done. So there are worse things, and I'll do worse things to you if you don't let me wrap up the show. Uh, hey, Dad. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Uh, remember, stay tuned for our uh, first uh, recap episode of The Last Command as we as we are rounding out the show here. So, too, do we round out the show in a wider sense by uh, reading the final volume in Timothy Zahn's masterful Thrawn trilogy from all of us here at Thronderdome. Uh, enjoy your video games and good night. Let's see if Daniel uploads this episode. <laughs>